Good morning. Welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church, where God has called and gathered us here this day to receive his gifts through his word. The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday in Advent is from Jeremiah chapter 23. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country, and out of all the countries where he had driven them. Then they shall dwell in their own land. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 13. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever had to wait in a line that seemed like it was never going to end? As many of you probably know, Shelby and I, on the way to our honeymoon, had to wait in a line eight hours through the night because one of our flights had been canceled. Let's just say I don't recommend it. In general, in fact, I bet that 
most of us aren't too fond of waiting. That most of us would much rather things just happened instantly. Today, though, is the beginning of the season of Advent. A season of the church year where we spend about a month or so waiting. Waiting for Christmas. Waiting for Jesus to come back. Waiting for family to get here. Waiting for school and work to go on break. Waiting for the feast that you're going to have over the holiday. Waiting for presents. Waiting, waiting, and yet more, waiting. And that can be a good thing. It can be a good thing to wait. There are some things that you shouldn't rush. If you take the pie out of the oven too soon, you're going to have a mushy pie. If you try to rush a painter, you're going to get a lower quality painting. If you harvest your crops too early, you're not going to have much of a crop at all. Sometimes you just have to wait. And that's what today's introit is all about. Hear it again and listen to how many times the psalmist speaks of waiting. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. May integrity and uprightness preserve me. For I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Three times waiting is mentioned in our intro. Technically four since one of the occurrences is in the antiphon. But what exactly does waiting look like? What does it look like to wait for the Lord? And to help understand that, we have to understand a little bit about how the Psalms work. As you all likely know, the Psalms are in many ways the songbook or the hymnal of the Bible, which means that they're all poetry which means that we have to know a little bit about Hebrew poetry and how it works. The main form of Hebrew poetry is what we call parallelism, which is to say that the author, the poet, will say one thing and then will say the same thing only using different words to add a slightly different nuance to it. And we see that all over the place in our introit for today. And as we are going through the introits for the next year, you're going to see this time and time again, this Hebrew parallelism. So, what does waiting look like in our introit for today? Well, the very first line tells us, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, in you I trust. If you've ever wondered what it means to lift up your soul to God, here we see that it simply means 
to trust him. To trust in the Lord and to lift up our soul for him is the main way that we wait for God. Waiting for him, trusting in him, that his word is true, that the promises that he's made us are going to come fulfilled, and trusting that when he says something, he means it. What else does it mean to wait for the Lord, though? Again, our intro, it has an answer. Make me to know your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Again, keeping in mind that Hebrew poetry, all of those things mean the same thing. Make me to know your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me into your truth. All of which is to say, teach me. Waiting for the Lord looks like being taught by God. It looks like learning about God, learning about his word, about what he wants for us, about what he has done for us. Primarily, this is what waiting for the Lord looks like. Trusting in him and learning as much as we can about him through his word. But why do we wait for him? Why do we wait for the Lord? Again, the intro it has our answer. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. This is why we wait for the Lord. Because he is the God of our salvation. He is the one who accomplished our salvation when he died on the cross for us. We do not follow a Lord who gives us empty promises or vague words. We follow the God who died for our sin in order to make sure that we would be saved forever into eternity. And so, therefore, of course we wait for the Lord because he is the one who has already saved us and because he is the one who will come and again save us out of this dark world. But because our God is gracious and merciful, that's not the only reason that we have to wait for him. We wait for him because of the results of the promises that he has made to us. Specifically, the promises that he made to us about what would happen if we wait for him. Our Lord tells us here in our intro that none who wait for him shall be put to shame. And to understand how big of a deal this is, we have to understand a little bit about Hebrew culture because the Hebrew culture was a shame and honor culture. And not a culture where your honor is one of the most important fundamental things of your lives. Here in America, we're probably closer to what we would normally think of as a merit culture where what you do is kind of how you earn your respect and your honor in the community. But in the Hebrew culture, it was usually by what you didn't do that you earned your honor. And so to not be put to shame is one of the most important things for an Old Testament Jew. Because if you were put to shame, you were nothing in your community. You were nothing in your family. If you brought shame on your family, it's possible that they would exclude you from your family. Whereas, if you brought honor 
You would be included, you would be welcome, you would be respected. So, therefore, the fact that we will not be put to shame who are waiting for him is incredibly important because that tells us that we are not nothing. That, in fact, we are something. In fact, we are the very honor of God himself because we are his prizes, his treasures, his sons and daughters who he has earned through his blood. So therefore, we wait for him because we won't be put to shame. But we also wait for him, again, as our introit tells us, may integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. We wait for the Lord because we recognize that while we are doing that, while we are waiting for him, his integrity and his uprightness will preserve us. Which is to say, integrity is just another word for truth or honesty, and uprightness is just another word for righteousness. So we wait for the Lord because we recognize that his truth and his righteousness will preserve us and uphold us while we are waiting for him. Notice that it's not our deeds, it's not our good works, it's not our will, it's not our reason that are going to be preserving us. Because we all recognize that if it were, we would not be preserved for very long at all. It is, in fact, his own truth, his own righteousness that he has given to us that will get us through this time of waiting. And therefore, we wait for him. But also, why do we wait for him? We wait for him because he was the one who redeemed Israel out of all his troubles. We have a better view of this since we are on this side of the crucifixion, so we know the truth that he, in fact, has done that. That he, in fact, did redeem Israel out of all of his troubles, out of all of their troubles, at the very same time that he redeemed us out of all of our troubles when he died on the cross for the sin of the world. But at the same time, we recognize that part of the reason that we're waiting for him now isn't just how he redeemed us in the past, but how he's going to fulfill and complete that redemption in the future. We recognize that the day will come when he is going to come back to us and he will save us out of this world. He will redeem us so that we have perfect bodies that have been sanctified wholly and so that we will be able to live with him forever into eternity. And so, we wait for him. He has already redeemed our souls and our spirits. and The time will come when he redeems our bodies as well. So this is why we wait for him. But now the question is, since we are just waiting for him, what do we do? And that's what our Advent series this year is going to be about. It's going to be about this idea of waiting for the Lord. We will speak about preparing while we're waiting. We will speak about suffering while we're waiting. And we'll speak about hoping while we are waiting for him. About how we can do those things and how, in many cases, he has already done those things for us. It's clear that we need to wait for the Lord. For all of us are waiting for him to return in his glory. 
to return to us and prove that the promise he made us in his resurrection was true. That one day, because of what he did on the cross for us, and because of the fact that he conquered death for us, we too will one day rise to newness of life. The day is coming when he will prove that to us. And that day is what we are waiting for. However, there are also other things that we are waiting on God for. You all likely know better than I do what exactly you're waiting on him for. And here again, therefore, what the psalmist says of those who wait for the Lord. None who wait for you shall be put to shame. It is important, though, to recognize that that does not necessarily mean that you're going to receive exactly what you're waiting for. For instance, to use a silly example, if you're waiting for the Lord to drop a million dollars on your doorstep, you might be waiting for quite a long time. But you won't be put to shame. It isn't bad or wrong to expect good things from God, for he has promised us good things. Yes, it's true that our imagination and our sinful nature will sometimes take those promises and run with them, making us think that God will give us exactly what we want if we just wait long enough. He might not give you what you want, because what you might want might not be what you need. Or it might not be good for you. Or it might be bad for other people. But it's not shameful to wait for him. For he is good, and he is loyal, and he is trustworthy. You are free, therefore, to also be good. Because he is to be loyal to him because he is loyal to you, and to trust him because he is trustworthy. He has made you promises in his word and sealed them when his son rose from the dead. You are free, therefore, to wait on him all the day long, to persevere and wait in his integrity and his righteousness allowing him to preserve you through that very integrity and righteousness. For you will not be put to shame. The one who you lift up your soul in and trust in will not let you be put to shame and will not let your enemies exult over you, at least not forever. The Lord will make you to know his ways and teach you his paths. He will lead you in his truth and teach you, for he is the God of your salvation. He, in fact, has already redeemed you out of all of your eternal troubles, along with Israel and the rest of humanity. You are free to wait for him, for he is coming. Yes, of course, here in this Advent season, we are waiting for Christmas, waiting for the time when we hear about he has come to us as a man and died for us. But you are also free to wait, for he is coming again, coming again in glory and honor, coming for you, to bring you and all the others who are waiting for him to be with him forever in that glory and that honor.
Now may the peace which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.